Please do turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 3. And our text is found in this single verse, really, in verse 21. Unto Adam and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. My title this morning is Clothed by God Alone. We continue our series in the book of Genesis, these vital foundational truths. It's Thanksgiving Day. Well, I thought of a different subject, but then came back to this verse. What an appropriate subject to think of, how God provides and provides for the very greatest need. Not just our food, not just our practical, physical clothing, but here in verse 21 of Genesis 3, how God provides for our greatest need of spiritual clothing, the need to cover our nakedness, our shame, our guilt. Men and women have fallen as we thought last week and as we see in Adam and Eve they fell and so we have fallen therefore God needs to provide and he does men and women think that they can provide but they can't we notice that Adam and Eve didn't need to be told that they were guilty and full of shame and that they were now naked. They knew it. They felt it. They understood it. And they tried to do something about it in a desperate fashion, in a cobbled-together manner. They tried to cover their guilt, their shame, their nakedness. They experienced the holiness of God even without seeing him, they knew that they were naked. And they had to do something about it. We know, don't we? In physical form, a child knows and experiences that knowledge of shame when they've done something wrong. They hide the head. They turn away. Sadly, as we go through life, men and women, they get more confident. They no longer feel their spiritual and even their physical nakedness. They become brazen, confident, unaware that one day they will stand before God and their nakedness and shame and guilt will be exposed. Well, I want to start this morning with a question. It was a question that was asked me last Sunday afternoon. Were Adam and Eve believers? Did they have faith? Or more particularly, how do we know? What's the evidence that Adam and Eve had faith? Are they prototype believers? Or in their sin and shame, and guilt, are they prototype unbelievers? It's a good question. It's a question that I want to ask of you this morning. 
And I don't know the answer for all of you. Some of you, I see such evidence, clarity, fruit. I hope you do in my life as well. That you are a child of God. That you have the fruits of the Spirit. You have the evidence for all to see that you've been clothed. That you stand not in a righteousness of your own, but in a given righteousness. Others, I don't know. Some, I see the very opposite. So here's the question. Were Adam and Eve children of God? The first sermon ever to be preached, I believe we can say, starts in verse 15, the gospel in miniature. John 3, 16, Genesis 3, 15, the Old Testament, the first gospel preached. The Lord God said, I will put enmity, judgment, hostility between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The promise of a saviour, the promise that Satan will be crushed, the promise that there will be a seed of the woman, and there will be life. After verse 15, comes the judgment, the curse, comes the promise that there will be death, and death will be unavoidable. Death will come to all, both creatures and humanity. And there will be the other signs of death, spiritual death, the death of relationships, the death of happiness, the death of so many other things. And if you look down in verse 19, we see the promise of death. For dust thou art, Adam particularly, and Eve, you were made out of the dust, and unto the dust you will return, you will die. One day your body will decompose. What was bone and tissue and ligaments will disintegrate, and you will return to the dust. Oh, what a terrible indictment. Death, decomposition, decay. Look here in verse 20. And I want to give you a number of reasons why I believe with good evidence Adam and Eve are believers. Before we get to that, just another question, a bit of a distraction. Were Adam and Eve the first people? Well, of course they were. Let me give you a little bit of evidence from recent genetics that point to the fact that there was no such thing as Neanderthal man. People say there was an animal. You know that picture that you see in science lessons of the ape 
Gradually standing up, you go and look in the biology textbooks, it's still there. Well, Neanderthal man is no such thing. There is so much compelling genetic evidence that the genetic divergence between different parts of the human kingdom across the world, you take the very extremes in what we call wrongly race, and you see it's just a tiny percent of one percent between the very widest difference that you find in the human genetics. There are changes from one generation to the next, but if you look at the breadth, the variety of DNA in humanity, unsurprisingly, it points to the fact that humanity is just a few thousand years old. Because the changes from one generation to the next fit to the time scale of the Bible. There is no Neanderthal man and human man. Adam and Eve were the first human beings. Well, just an aside, I'm not a geneticist, but I saw something this week that said just in 2019, new compelling evidence yet again confirms the word of God to be right. Well, let's come back to Adam and Eve. How do we know and have clear evidence that they were believers? Well, here's the first argument. Who taught Cain and Abel to offer a sacrifice? Who took them to take an animal and to sacrifice it on an altar? Of course, you know that one of them did and one of them didn't. One of them tried to concoct his own man-made attempt to please God. The other one followed the prescribed way, taught, no doubt, Genesis 4.4, taught, no doubt, by their parents. Because from the very beginning of time and the fall, there was worship and there was sacrifice. What happens in Genesis 3 is instituting the need for atonement and for sacrifice. That's the first argument. Secondly, Adam and Eve, you know, covered themselves very inadequately in verse 7 of Genesis 3. And they evidently take off the inadequate fig leaves and willingly they receive, they accept. God's provision by faith. They take off their effort, their attempt. You see it repeated, don't you, with Cain and Abel. One man-made, one God-given. That's the second reason Adam and Eve willingly accept the clothing that they've been given. The third argument is the gospel has been preached in those verses, Genesis 3:15 down to 19. Now it's believed, and we'll see how and why. 
Look what Adam says in verse 20. Adam called his wife's name Eve. (coughs) Adam's name is Ish in the Hebrew. His wife's name, woman, is Isha, of the man. Adam's name means in the Hebrew, from the red earth. Speaking of blood, death, earthly. Why does he choose the name Eve? Up until now she's been called woman, just describing her gender and the fact that she was of man, came out of him. Well, it's a very specific name. Adam called his wife's name Eve, and it means living, life, death. In verse 19, life. In verse 20, that's not a coincidence. There's a reason for this. No sooner than death has been declared, and death and the verdict and the sentence is there in verse 19, Adam chooses a name for his wife that is impregnated with faith. Life. My wife. Life. My wife. I believe there will be Life, she's called the mother of all the living, but she's not. There's not been any children. How can she be the mother of all living? She wasn't the mother of Adam. She's the mother of all that will be born. Because they believe that there will be life. And that's why Eve has been given the name living mother, the mother of all living. Well, that's interesting, but let me add to it. Adam believes that the sentence of death will not come immediately. He believes in grace, a period of grace, time in which the sin can be covered. It hasn't yet been covered. When he calls Eve, Eve, he believes in grace, time, a period of time for God to provide what's needed. You see, this is the gospel in these verses being unfolded before us. He's heard of death, verse 19. Now he says life, Eve, life. That's how life will come. There's something else. Even more wonderful. This is what Martin Luther believed. I believe he believed it rightly. Look at verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Well, that's remarkable, but go down to chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain. And I said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Luther believed that another translation of Genesis 4, verse 1, was this. 
I have brought forth the Lord man, the God incarnate, a man and the Lord in one. He believed that when Eve said, this child, this child is the child of promise, she was wrong. But Eve was saying, by faith, God has heard, God has provided. By faith, this, I have gotten a man from the Lord, the man-child, the Lord-man. That's what Luther believed, and I don't think it's stretching the Hebrew text to say that Eve believed and trusted that God had already fulfilled the promise that had been given to them. In Genesis 3, 15, Adam's faith in calling his wife Eve, Eve's faith in believing that Cain, she'd never seen a child before. She didn't know what a baby would look like. And she believes that God has already answered what faith that she demonstrates even in these verses. I have gotten the Lord man. Well, let's move on. Reasons why Adam and Eve show faith, had faith, and already the gospel sermon that they've heard. Faith comes through hearing. They've heard the best, the first sermon, and they've believed for themselves, and they've exercised faith. Well, of course, we see their faith and their conversion in the putting on of God's provision, the clothing. So let's look at that here. First heading this morning, man's attempt to cover his sin. Let's go back to Genesis 3 and verse 8. <coughs> they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. Why did they hide? They had covered their nakedness in verse 7. But it was an inadequate covering. Let me give you some reasons. And then we can look at how we do the same. Man's idea. Nobody told them to sow fig leaves, wrap them together in some way. God didn't tell them. It was their idea. That's what we do, isn't it? I sin. I'm going to try and cover it up. I'll try and pretend that it's not there. I'll try and minimize. I'll try and excuse and blame as we thought last week. Cover it up. Get rid of the record on the computer. Don't worry. Your record is elsewhere. Everything you look at, every like, every follow, every cookie, in your computer, there is a record elsewhere. You can't cover it up. God knows. Your attempts to cover sin 
will be inadequate. It's man-made. We can't cover our sin ourselves. Every attempt will fail. It's utterly flawed. Fig leaves to cover nakedness that goes from head to toe, utterly futile. It's inadequate because it's temporary. Fig leaves, you take them. Take a fig leaf down from a tree. It will soon curl. Within a few days it will be brown and shriveled up and crispy. Totally inadequate. What a picture of what we try to do. Somebody has sinned in the family circle. Soon it will be seen. They won't look people in the eye. Their countenance will be fallen as we call it. Relationships won't be the same. Communication will dry up. That's what happens with us. It's what happened with Adam and Eve. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the day, the cool of the day, and they still had their guilt. Do you still walk through life with guilt? Is your sin on your shoulders, in your heart? Is the blood on your hands? Are you carrying your guilt with you and still having to hide from God? If you're a child of God today, your sin has been covered. The fig leaves perish. Their attempts are feeble, fragile. And it's a physical solution to deal with a spiritual problem. Do you know that's what most other religions are about? Icons, idols, a shrine, a temple, rosary beads. That's why in this church there is nothing physical of any significance apart from the two elements that we have at the Lord's table. Water in a baptism, just water, it's from a tap. We have nothing else. No cross. No pictures of Christ. How can we depict him adequately? It's irreverent to try. We don't have shrines at home. We don't have icons and idols. No, we have a spiritual solution to a spiritual problem. Never try and replace what is moral and spiritual with the physical. That's what almost every religion does. And some religions do it in spades. You go to the home and it's full of idols and icons. Oh, this picture, this shrine, this idol. You go to certain countries in Asia. You can't go down one road Without, there isn't shrines with multiple gods. It's the world over. We don't see it in this country very much. But you go to other countries, 
where perhaps the light of the gospel hasn't shone as brightly as it has in this country, and you see it everywhere and in people's homes. That's forbidden even here, because a physical solution to a moral problem and a spiritual problem will not work. Man's attempts to cover his sin, don't try it. Don't try and go to church to get rid of your problem. You've got to get on your knees. You've got to go in prayer. You've got to speak to your God. Secondly, God only can clothe us. Oh, isn't this wonderful? After death, in verse 19, For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam calls his wife's name Eve, life. There isn't yet a solution. Well, there is in verse 15, but they've got no idea how and where and when. As I've said, I think Eve thinks it's immediate. The child will be born, yes, nine months, no doubt. But she doesn't quite know how. But Adam believes, calls calls her name Eve, the mother of the living. And the very next verse, verse 21, unto Adam. There's no evidence of a huge period of time here. I think it would have been immediate. God saw the problem was great and he brings the solution. Yes, in a shadowy type. We call it typology. A figurative form. But here is Calvary in one verse. Verse 21. And unto Adam. One name mentioned. And unto his wife. Individually. Did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Let's look at the very opposite of what they'd tried to do. This was God's way, not man's way. That's the only answer. There is only one way, God's way and God's method. There's one way. It doesn't change. Adam and Eve were saved through Christ. And they believed it would be through Christ, even though Christ doesn't come for some thousands of years, God's way. It's a God-made solution. We don't know. Some commentators think that the Lord told them to take an animal, and they took the animal, put their hand upon it, killed the animal. We don't know. It's not clear. There's a suggestion that it was the Lord God telling them what to do, but it's possible that the Lord killed the animal himself. We just don't know. I think rather more likely that Adam and Eve were being taught this was how they would have to take an animal, kill the animal. Imagine how horrific it would have been. They had never seen death of anything. Not even an insect. Now an animal is taken 
This is God's way, God's solution. It's grace, not works. And this provision was fully adequate. It covers all their sin, all their guilt, all their shame, and it's permanent. In fact, it's everlasting. It's comprehensive. It's unbreakable. It's robust. It's the same way that we come today as they came then by faith. And it meets every one of God's requirements. The sacrifice didn't. No animal, no bull, no bullock, no goat, no sheep. But in figurative form, all the conditions are met that God imposed. We shall see that here. God's requirements perfectly met. You go to a Roman Catholic church, and the priest says once he's heard your confession, he says, go and do this, go and do that. Ten of this, twenty of that. And then you still have to go to purgatory. You still have to suffer partly for a period of time for your own sin. It's not the gospel. The gospel says full atonement. It is finished. So we can have the confidence that Adam and Eve were covered. Let's see then God's Thirdly, perfect provision in Christ. We can look at all the elements. I want to show you Calvary in figurative form here. We see Adam and Eve following the instructions, ripping off the fig leaves, throwing them away is inadequate because God has told them there will be a solution. Is the solution. Number one, a sacrifice. The first ever sacrifice. One. And there will be one. It will be costly. An animal has to die. A life has to be given. There will be a sacrifice. And that's Christ. One. The first, the only sacrifice that truly took away sin, the most costly of all sacrifices. Secondly, it will be a substitute. It wasn't their efforts, their attempt to make an apron, to make some inadequate clothing. No, it will be given to them. It will be a substitute The animal clothing will be given to them. They should have died. They will die. But the animal has now died for them so that they can live a little longer. We can't create our own solution. It had to be provided for them. It's a gracious gift. A sacrifice, a substitute, a gracious gift. God didn't have to do it. He could have said, death, now. No grace, no time. 
But instead, he says, the death of another. Instead of them. So that they can have life. In their case, for a lot longer. It was a practical covering. The fig leaves didn't make them feel warm and secure, didn't cover the body. But these animal skins, they would have given them warmth. They would have given them confidence to stand before God, to come and worship. Of course, there was shedding of blood. How horrific! When their eyes saw blood, what's that? Spilt on the floor. Maybe Adam thought of his name. Red Earth. Red Earth, the first Adam. Speaking of the second Adam that would give his blood on Calvary. Do you see the depth of what's going on in these verses? And there was suffering. The animal, in the moment that Adam perhaps took the animal and grabbed it, the animal didn't know what would happen. Christ did know. He knew all his life that he would suffer and die. And there was, of course, death, the end of a life. What did Christ say? John 5, verse 39. These things testify of me. Speaking of the Old Testament. Speaking of all the symbols and the types and the shadows. The sacrifice. The substitute. The unearned gift. The gracious provision. The covering. And the shedding of blood and the death. Every single animal that would ever be taken. You look in Leviticus chapter 8, the Lord says to Moses, stand on the door of the tabernacle. Go and get Aaron, the one who was so fallen and compromised. He worshipped and allowed them to worship with idols. And there Moses is told, take Aaron, wash him. Let the people see. Let there be bloodshed. Carefully follow every instruction. Take the blood, put it on the altar. Every time they went to worship. Every time the priest took an animal. Every time he dipped it in his finger and put it on the mercy seat. They knew this spoke of Christ. They were not ignorant. We're the ones who are ignorant. We don't see how these things speak of Christ. Do you know the book of the Bible that has more of God speaking than any other book of the Bible? It's the book of Leviticus. It speaks of me. It's Christ referring to his life and his death to come. I want to give you, as we close, we haven't got long, some of the references to show that this is a chain going through the whole of the word of God. We're naked, we've got guilt, we've got shame, and Christ covers us. We read, I don't need to refer to it. Isaiah 61, he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. 
He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Romans 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision of the flesh as Adam and Eve tried to do to fulfill the lusts thereof. Ephesians 4, verse 24, well-known words. And that ye put on the new man, that's Christ, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3 and verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The sacrifices had to be done again and again and again, but not Christ. When you put on Christ, his life and death is renewed within us. And just one more, Revelation 7, verse 9. You see it goes from Genesis 3 to Revelation 7. After this, says John, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds and tongues. You see, there is only one race, the human race. And they stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice, salvation to our God. This is the gospel. Death in Revelation, in in Genesis 3.19. Life in Eve, whose name means life. And Calvary. In Genesis 3.21, covered, clothed by God through death, through a substitute, through sacrifice, through the shedding of blood. Do you have faith? Do you believe that you need to be covered and that you cannot cover yourself? And that you must trust in Jesus Christ and put all your faith, as Adam and Eve did, no doubt, in the coming Saviour.